Hello everyone, it is Thursday night. Welcome to another SDGC Live. I am Derek. I'm joined by Jeff. Hello. Hi. Uh, and shortly, Britt. Britt will be here at her usual time. Uh, we have two guests tonight. It's been a long time since we've doubled up on guests. We have uh, two long-standing friends of the show, uh, Grant Stoner. How's it going, Hi. bud? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. And I'm glad you approached us because this is this has given us like I've needed a good, really like topic heavy, serious kind of show. Um, you know, it's the it's the kind of show that reminds us like why we're doing this and not just bullshitting about our favorite video games. Um, and then also joined by Virender Jabal. How's it going, bud? Hey, thank you very much for letting me on. Yes. Oh, I mean, you know, anytime, right? I mean, that's true for both of you. It was true for Stormy uh, last week. It's basically just like, you know, there's a certain point you're close enough. You could just ask anytime and we'll, we'll probably <laughs> that, make space for you. That's basically what I did. Yeah. I and like, we were oh. like, hell yeah, absolutely. Let's have some good buds on. That's, you know, especially if you've got like a good topic of like, hey, man, here's something I want to bring some attention to. Absolutely. Save oh. me the job of trying to do like the news editor rundown of what's, you know, worth talking about and what's not. Um, you know, we do have kind of a, a meaty show ahead of us tonight. Uh, so obviously we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to use the topic of the newly released Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, to talk about kind of what the process is like for actual journalists and freelancers in games media uh, to do things like write guides. And has it not been updated? Oh, no, I got to fix that. I didn't fix the show title. I got distracted. Um, and, and But also talk about like what it's like to have to try to pitch coverage and, and pitch article ideas and op-eds to various outlets. Um, no, they can't. <laughs> you can't just drop news. Wow. Okay. It's, it's a tradition. A, it's, it's a tradition. It's just expansion back. It's just Nintendo Switch Online stuff. It has to happen like every Thursday. Um, but uh, when, when we are through with all of that, uh, today is Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And we're going to talk a little bit, uh, kind of springing off PlayStation, showing off a little bit more of the access controller, kind of a state of accessibility, like in gaming, in the world in general. Like, what do we need to do better? How can we help either as industry professionals or as just, you know, people on the, the sidelines who need to, to learn more and, and maybe learn what we need to be asking for? Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a good meaty night. Um, let's start off with what we've been playing and, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Grant first. Grant, what have you been spending your time on, uh, in these last couple of weeks? I've been playing a, uh, roguelike deck builder called Wild Frost. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, similar to the vein of like monster train with the different layers that you have to manage, um, I've, I've really been itching for a new game in that sort of vein because I love Monster Train. I love Slade Aspire. Um, I do have Zelda. I haven't played it yet. Uh, and I also have Jedi Fallen Order. Or Jedi Survivor, which I actually would like to start playing hopefully this weekend. But I've just been so busy I haven't had time to really yeah. jump into it. So I've just been playing Wild Frost. Off and on. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for those like 
you know, I fell in love with Slay the Spire back in the day, um, and Monster Train came along and really filled a lot of that same itch. I think a lot of those same, like, you know, randomized deck builder type of aspects are a big part of what I really loved about Midnight Suns, which was always going to be a mark for a Marvel game, but still. Um, and uh, V, I know you are huge on card games in general, but usually I've heard you talk about, you know, stuff like... Yeah, stuff that's based on like existing card games that people like collect cards and play. Right, like online TCG stuff. But I also do play if it has cards of any kind, I'll play it. It just has a little card game mechanic of any kind, <laughs> like collecting them. Another one is um I can't remember the name, but it's like a it's like battle it's like Mega Man Battle Network sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. There's uh there's that remember. and then there's the what is that? There's an indie like knockoff. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I also like Floppy Knights. That's a, it's a SRPG, so it's a strategy tactical RPG, but you're using cards. Yeah. And you're using like different plants and moving them around, which is on Game Pass as well. But there's there's a bunch of different stuff. I know Wild Frost is like a big one, but nobody. I I put I put myself forward to cover it, but I couldn't get anybody that, that's one i've been meaning to check out and if it comes with grant seal of approval it's got more of my interest i love games like that because especially stuff where it's not like time sensitive your actions uh because I, as as adhd as i am i love to if i'm watching a movie or watching a show or something i kind of need to be doing something else on the side um and that's something where i i don't have to like oh shit i wasn't paying attention to the game long enough and you know, I've lost a round, you know, it, it's giving me time to casually make the decision, you know, on my own time. Uh, love stuff like that. V, what have you been playing this last week? And I, I bet I've got some. Oh, oh. I'm here. It's Brit. Hi, Brit. I'm here. Hello. Brit, we're going to we're going to slightly interrupt this message uh, for a different one. Do, do you have some good news to share? I do have good news. Um, yeah. I am now employed. I got a job. Oh, the long national nightmare is over. It's been since November and um, it's 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 been been rough. But, um, you know, we uh, we pushed through it and Derek's not going to take credit for it. But I give him a lot of credit for that job. Um, No, you shouldn't. I did so little. No, you did. You did plenty. You got me in touch with your dad and that's enough, which sounds awkward <laughs> Somebody don't worry about it guys don't worry about it it's just it's something on the side don't worry about it um but yes all right i, I... want to make abundantly fucking clear okay? <laughs> i want to make something abundantly i'm trying clear. to i'm trying to figure out if john knew that this was like brit's moment and decided to pick this to to, to jump in I have no idea what was even being talked about. I just want oh to address something that Ib said in chat. I absolutely pitch with dog pictures and it fucking works. That's how we got the Elden Ring review code. <laughs> I also sent pictures of beignets uh, on my follow-up interviews. I decided I miss my friends too much, so I'm here. You are going to be back? Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. That does mean I got to change the whole fucking uh, crew lineup on nah, the side. Fine. That's Don't worry fine. about it. Fuck it. We're, 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 right we're by the doing it pants. live. We're doing um, it live. Sorry, Britt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. I was just talking about uh, 
Derek getting me in contact with his dad. I was gonna I say, know, Britt got her there. fucking job. Finally, Britt got a fucking job. I got a job, y'all, and it's a it's a good one. But the phrasing there is just like Did, finally, John, Britt got a fucking John job. John absolutely <laughs> Kanye with me. About time. He absolutely Kanye'd me. Look, Britt, Britt, I'm real happy for you, and I'm gonna let you finish. But Final Fantasy VI is the greatest game of all time. But I'm, I, I'm gonna let you finish. But I need to fucking shit talk games real quick. Yeah. Anyway, back to where we were before yeah, so Brit appeared in good news. Yes, yeah, good. Celebrate. V, my man, what have you been playing this last week? I bet I got a guess. So I've been playing Zelda. I live in Hyrule now. It's a pretty <laughs> quaint village, pretty quaint towns all around. Uh, outside of that, I'm playing just like, because I can't keep playing Zelda throughout the entire... Because it's a work game. Like, when you play work yeah. game, you have to be in the mindset. So I'm playing Pokemon Unite as my fun game. I'm doing Yu-Gi-Oh! as usual. I played a bit of Honkai Star Rail. Um, just fun. I play Marvel Snap continuously. Cardfight Vanguard Zero, which is shutting down next month, which I'm very sad about. That's uh, not the new card. one, is it? No, no, no. Okay. This one's, like, three years. All right. Yeah, which is like, oh, sucks so much. Three but seems like a pretty short amount of time for a game like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to like archive it in some sense, but I only have like a month. Like if I can at least like take out the card art assets or something, because like we keep losing live service games, like every every few months. And we lost Final Fantasy for Soldier, which I put a lot of time in and I thought that was a great game. It was like a really great battle royale for for Soldier. We lost Dragalia Lost. A lot of people played for like yeah. seven years. And wait, that's gone now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They had like a countdown and everything for that. And it's just like how do you how do you bring like seven years of like assets and art and, and like you pay for that shit. Like gotcha games are they're, yeah. they're pricey and all to just you know preservation in the mobile space is in a really rough state when you think about it Mm -hmm. like they need to start doing accounts or something i don't i don't know yeah can we can we give a real quick shout out to ibs in the chat it's fucking like what three o'clock in in the uk right now like ibs just being a fucking trooper (laughs) in the chat (laughs) a fucking trooper or just fucking depressed (laughs) a Oh, oh, sorry, oh, 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. It's only slightly, slightly, slightly I know less what early slash like. late there. We love you, Ibs. Yeah, man. Good so, dude. Good ass dude. Veer, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, how many, and you may have missed that. You may have said this and I just missed it. How many dungeons are you in to uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Shrines, right? No, like the actual like, like dungeon dungeons. I just, <laughs> He's like, I don't. <laughs> I'm like okay, so like my weekend was just Skyview Towers, so that's completely done. So I went to I, head, I'm head the head same back. fucking way. Like when I play right? Spider Man, I've got to unlock all the fucking towers before I do anything. It's a yeah, mental and, thing, right? And then I've I killed every Hinox not in the depths because I had to take pictures of every single one. So, like, my phone... Like, if somebody asked to see my phone, it would just be, like, two dozen pictures of Hinoxes, all different ones. And then... 
So I'm just like, I'm just go- like, I'm not even talking to anybody. I'm not even like doing side quests or anything. I see like people are doing some temple stuff, and there's like some bird that's following people around. I'm just like, no, I'm I'm just I'm just going around murdering mini bosses for guides because I have to take. Okay. So so I, yeah. I so I, I get I guess Veer that just leaves. How many Korax have you crucified or burned oh, alive no. or oh, flung into pits or I, like? You guys have seen this shit, right? <laughs> like, the crucifying like, seems like a step maybe too far. I've had a little fun like catapulting no, them, but know. once Dude, or twice. People are but... literally crucifying Koroks and barbecuing Spit them. Spit roasting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like just just a Korok kebab. It's like, really fun enough to just put them on a cart and send them off into the 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 horizon, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like I like you know, it's not. It's not the same as people like you got like I don't know if you guys ever remember um I guess, I don't I don't know if you guys remember like in Red Dead Redemption people used to like be like oh, I'm tying a woman on a train and putting her on the train tracks like like that's worse than this because I don't trust a single person look here's the thing anybody who's ever crucified a Korok like I'm just here like you know what COVID has hit all of us different and I, like however you're coping whatever but if you tied a woman to the train tracks in Red Dead Redemption. Dude, seek people help. did that shit. Seek help, my friend. People absolutely um, did that shit. That's people did a, that shit. A there are I'm, people mm. f- like in in Tears of the Kingdom who are like, I'm being a Christian missionary and just like putting a a cross, a big cross, in every single town and like every single stable. Some it's people like, are just extremely abnormal. It's like, come on, man, you need to log off, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> take a fucking break, man. Like, Jesus Christ. They can't get doors slammed in their face on Zelda, so. It's mm-hmm. funny, you know, V talking about the the kind of order you're having to do things in because of the nature of this being a work game and not just a play for pleasure kind of game. Right, uh, yeah, is yeah. stuff I wouldn't think about because I'm definitely like that is that is simultaneously stuff that would really help if I had the structure of like, okay, no, I gotta hit all of these towers and then I gotta you know, to, to like kind of work my, that's like a good method as opposed to yeah. I've just been running around a field pointing at things and going, I see that right. I'm gonna walk at that. Um, and the so result like, is I've made no progress on anything. That's okay. I mean, that's, <laughs> I feel like I played like 30 or 40 hours, but I've done nothing. Like even the way I'm approaching it. Okay. So I'm doing for those that don't know, I'm doing the map and I'm linking every individual page and point from the map genie stuff to, the IGN interactive map. So things like other writers are doing like they're doing shrine guides. They're doing the written ones. They're doing video ones. So like every shrine, I'm linking that specific page onto the map point itself. So currently I finished, um, I mean, I'm like doing a bunch of stuff and they have me kind of solo again with um, how I did with Scarlet and Violet, which was a massive project as well. But uh, for like sky views, each sky view tower has its own guides page on IGN's wiki. And some of them you just walk up and open them, like maybe two or three of them. But some of them are like, oh, it's raining in this area, but you need to burn down the thorns. But you can't burn down the thorns. Dude, the, fucking, the, the fucking rain happens whenever you need it not to be happening. Yeah. This is me the fuck off. And then, like, I, I needed blood moons. To, I needed a blood moon to happen, right? Because I needed to take some pictures of Hinoxes. And I'm like, 
like when I want a blood moon to happen, it doesn't happen. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I need to go see these two to take pictures of them. But um, even like the way I'm playing. So like I put my I put light blessings into my stamina wheel first. Like, cause it doesn't matter if I die in one shot. I need I need the stamina to get to places, just to cover the map more quickly and more easier. It's so like just all these different ways to approach it. Like, not 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 my editors were saying like, oh, you need to do this, but like if you're doing like map stuff, like when I was doing uh, Arceus map coverage, I kind of broke the game with some of the stuff I did. So then. And even with Scarlet Violet, I broke the game and did some, like, stuff that wouldn't be allowed. But, you know, it's to get get around faster and get these points. And it's a big game. Like, it's massive. God. I'm not even mm. at the depths. I didn't even know there were depths. But the depths have its own map we have on the bottom of it. And it's the, it's the size of fucking Hyrule itself. Yeah. Like, it's... And, dude, like... Everybody who knows me knows I'm a big Dark Souls guy. Am I correct in saying that the depths gives off like huge Dark Souls vibes? Like, dude, it's fucking like scary down there. The, like, you know no what it shit. reminds me more of? Um, not that I need desperately to like reinforce that I am a Dragon's Dogma sicko, right. but if you play Dragon's Dogma and wander around anywhere out in the world map at night where it's pitch black and you've just got that little ass lantern light to go by oh yeah. that level of tension and like you don't know what you're going to come across because tears of the kingdom like i'm famously not a breath of the wild guy uh mm. I, I recognize that it's a, a, a magnificent game um for people who weren't me uh but and like fifty percent of this podcast, <laughs> right, right. I love but, Breath of the Wild, but Tears of the Kingdom is is really hitting me quite different. As as I think I might be in a in a weird subset of people who didn't like Breath of the Wild, but are deeply in love with Tears of the Kingdom. I think the the hmm. greater like a I think that the story content is a little bit more upfront, right? Which right. is something I need. I'm a big narrative person. I, I need narrative and characters to help pull me along, and there's a lot more of that right early there's on. There's been more story the first few hours of Tears of the Kingdom than the, the entirety of Breath of the yeah, Wild. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, very different that, games. That, yeah, yes. that was that was my issue. Enemy my enemy variety, before. right? And like oh, weapon, yeah. like all the all the little meat of like what makes the minute to minute stuff, like enemies, stuff like different types of weapons, and what you can do with the environment is like the fusing mechanic creates so much variety in the minute to minute in a way that didn't click with me with like Breath of the Wild's powers. Uh, there's a lot more weird little surprises that I will not even hint at. You, There's so many opportunities where if you are playing this game unaware of what is new to it, you will just run into... Like, we can't not talk about the depths because it's huge and right. everyone's talking about the depths. That's a whole entire map, yeah. layer of world. That Very few have made it there at all. And like... Just from the main surface map, there's more than 800 Koroks on just the main surface map. Yeah. So it's like the depths has its own stuff, but there's so much stuff you could just do on the surface. Mm -hmm. that The surface would have already been one of the biggest and densest yeah. games I can think yeah. of. Um, you know, the temples, the dungeons are closer to a traditional Zelda dungeon for my taste, which is good. That's something I was kind of missing. The bosses are, I didn't much like the, like, you know, Water Blight, Thunder Blight, Fire Blight, Ganon, 
Um, I, I didn't think they were good boss encounters from any aspect. They were bad fights. They were hard without a good, meaningful way to get around them. <clears throat> they weren't visually very interesting. It was really just visually just the same boss over and over and over almost. Yeah, it's just like, busy, messy, red. You know, they were they were calamity fucking stuff. Twizzlers, Twizzlers with weapons. Yeah. Like, um, but you know, versus now we have a lot more variety in bosses and and much more interesting boss encounters. So. Okay. Like, to me, this is more of what I want out of this format of Zelda. So I had asked this question before the game came out. Um, and now that you guys have played it, do you think people need to play Breath of the Wild to play Tears of the Kingdom? No. I don't think so. No. I think I everything played... you need to know. You go ahead. Nope. Oh, I was just going to say, I never played uh, Breath of the Wild. I did Tears specifically because of <laughs> guide's work, but I think... I don't think there's like a main narrative or story that you're not missing out on anything. And like I'm playing uh, Tears and I'm like, I would love to play Breath of the Wild after I finish this and get through this. Yeah. Like much Tears of the Kingdom on. is a vastly superior and I love Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is superior in literally every single way. The thing every the, single way. The thing with, with Tears of the Kingdom is everything important narratively you need to know will get delivered to you. Oh when it's necessary for you to under, have oh, that knowledge in order right. to understand where you're at. Hold on. Um, you're good. Um, I think the bigger thing for me is like, my appreciation is definitely deepened by having played Breath of the Wild because you run into characters from Breath of the Wild that then see how their lives have changed and, you know, the, the years in between. And that's very exciting, right? Right at the beginning. Again, it's kind of hard to spoil this because the internet has already gone nuts, but you run into Pura again very early. Oh, my right God, the, the internet is game. so fucking thirsty over Pura. Right. I'm right. kind of mad that you're that thirsty because it means that I can't love her as deeply because I have to be a hipster. But how do you, how do you serve cunt in an elderly way? <laughs> exactly like this. <laughs> how do you serve cunt in a Zelda way? Well, you know, Jesus but um, but like it is it is really like the jokey thirsty posts aside, like it is very cool to see like Pura was stuck in like weird baby big head form in Breath of the Wild and you come across her and she's, you know, kind of reversed her aging back back towards, you know, being like a an adult um, and. It's, you know, her, her personality has kind of m mellowed out a little bit from being as hyperactive as she was. And, uh, you know, seeing how, like, new characters meld into the cast. Stuff like that I'm a sucker for. I'm a big narrative and characters person. So, um... I do want to say, like, for, um... I, I, I know for sure that this game is going to sell more than Breath of the Wild. Like, 100%. I mean, I think... I mean, oh, probably, sure. yeah. Like, this, sure. that's... Not a question. Yeah. It's actually um, already did, right? It already yeah. sold more. So it already million. sold more than like Skyward Sword did its entire okay. run. Yeah. Like, 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 like until Breath of the Wild, Zelda. People don't really realize this. Zelda wasn't a, like a traditionally massive, massive seller. Like they sold very they sold well. Sold a few million. They were but, always doing good, but but, but, but like yeah. compared to like. You know, like the Mario franchise, Zelda was way, 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 way below that. It um, was always a system seller for sure. Yeah, but but like, like Breath of the Wild, legit turned Zelda into, in my opinion, probably at least for the Switch generation, a bigger franchise than Mario. I would say right now, Zelda is their number one franchise. I think part of that is that what what is a big seller has changed a lot because back in the GameCube PS2 days, if you sold three million, that was like 
fucking incredible, right? Yeah. If you hit one million, that was a, a system seller. That was you. You made bank. And nowadays, one million is nothing. You know, so Zelda, I would actually maybe say Zelda used to do big numbers, but what was big numbers around the time Twilight Princess came out or Wind Waker came out is peanuts when you got games yeah. selling 10, 30, 50 million copies, you know, when they're big success. How many copies is GTA 5 at? Oh, it's God. triple digits. It's a godly fucking number, dude. It's triple digits like, of millions. So 150 million. God. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> I don't like that. I mean, I that. have three copies, so I'm part of the problem. I don't, oh, I, I don't say this out of dislike for Grand Theft Auto V. Like, I think it's a fun game. It, it's just a matter of, like, that's too much money. Yeah. Even if most of those copies were sold at $20. Like, do you, do you, mind, do you guys mind if I go next? Um, yeah, go right ahead. You got some because, non Zelda well, shit. Well, for, first, I want to I want to make sure Veer doesn't have anything else to, that that he's been playing this week. He wants to talk about. Oh well, I mean, I linked the map if, and the chat if people want to uh, look over that. It's still a work in progress, of course. I yeah. don't know what the work we can, we can come back to Zelda and, and do the, yeah, the, no, the journalism no angle in a bit here. But yeah, so, so aside from Zelda, which we'll get back into, I love it so far. Uh, I have been playing the Chrono Trigger tracks in Theat Rhythm. Ooh, okay. Those um, came out? Those came out today. Or, I'm sorry, yesterday. Um, and I, if Ibs is still in chat, I'm about to annoy the shit out of him. All it did was make me want Chrono Trigger on Switch that much fucking more. Yeah. John, you like, cannot bully our, our fucking Square Enix influencer manager I will guy. absolutely bully him because because i like and people are like john you got the pixel remasters on switch you're not allowed to port beg for anything else oh fuck we off. can't stop I will you port beg all goddamn day long you think that's gonna stop me you think that's gonna stop me i have a i have a fucking revelation for you now that i have the pixel remasters i'm happy like i'm perfectly fucking happy i'm, I'm only I'm gonna overjoyed. be more annoying this is one of the greatest years in gaming ever right ever because the pixel remasters but but Someone explained to me why Chrono Cross came out on Switch before Chrono Trigger did. And playing the tracks on... And this is just wave one of the Chrono Trigger DLC, which, by the way, Brit, they've even got, like, the fucking backgrounds. Like, uh, they've Oof. got, like, you know... They've got, like, you know, Wings of Time. Um, or, I'm sorry, Corridors of Time. Uh, the Battle of Magus. Uh, and it's got, like, his... That, that statue. It's got, like, his battle area in the back. Um, like, it's... it's uh, uh, for the for the theme of Chrono Trigger, uh, you know, like uh, I think it's called uh, End of Time. You've got the actual End of Time with the lamppost and the fucking fence, the bucket, and you've even got the little uh, the little portals in the background where you jump back and forth between between time periods. It's so fucking good. And playing like like doing those tracks in theater rhythm is just such a fucking treat. And it's only Wave One of the Chrono Trigger tracks. Like Wave Two is coming later this year, and Playing through it, I was just like, God, what I wouldn't fucking give for a pixel remaster version of Chrono Trigger. Not HD2D, not HD2D. There are some games that I feel need the HD2D format, right? Like Live Alive is an example. Live Alive, visually, uh, from the Super Nintendo, has not aged well. That game needed the HD2D uh, uh, facelift. Dragon Quest Three is an NES game. Hasn't really aged well visually it needs the hd2d facelift chrono trigger is still one of the most beautiful pixel art games ever to be released ever 
ever. And I, from uh, Grant and Virander nodding, I know that they are men of taste. I know that they are men, men of men of taste and style. I never played it by their reaction, but you recognize <laughs> Veer. You okay, recognize well, that it's a beautiful thing fucking with, game. Doesn't would, need. I doesn't had, need like, an a, HD 2D remake. Right. I had like a bootleg because like everybody modded their PS1 back then. So hell I had, like, yeah, a, they did. Yeah. So I had like a bootleg of Chrono Trigger that you know you would just put it in, and you could only watch the opening for the PS1. And I would like constantly do that because a PS1 opening, you know, it's it's very heavily into like Akira Toriyama's like design and it's an FMV and everything. And that's as far as I've ever gotten to playing. So I would put that in, watch the opening, and then I'd play like Yu-Gi-Oh! That would work or other stuff. But like I would all constantly at least like once a day just put it in to just like watch that PS1 opening. That's the only closest I've had to that. You you need to go through and play the entire game because it's one of the greatest games of all time. And playing those tracks on fucking theater rhythm was a goddamn blessing. And I just want to give a shout out to Enorian, who is Josh in chat. And uh, guys, just so you know, I'm planning and Finn are me myself and Finn at least are planning on attending PEX West. And I am pitching a panel where we rank the best Final Fantasy battle systems. And Finn is on that panel. I'm going to moderate it if it gets approved. And Josh is our first outside of the podcast recruit for that panel because Josh is attending PAX West. So just to let you guys know. I wish I had money. I'd go. I wish you I, I wish you could come. I wish you could come. You know what? You know what? Maybe I'll get you over there. Who knows? But I will do whatever. I'm not don't calling forget, we you got, daddy just because We got podcast money. We don't have as much podcast money as you think, but that's okay. well, whatever. What, whatever. At any if rate, people want to help us get to events, they can uh, put a little money into our Patreon. <laughs> there we they go. They could look at oh, that's look, my one there, plug of show. Nightbot, there's a link in chat to our Patreon. Will I call Josh happen? Daddy? Sure, why not? How did that? Don't call him Daddy. I'm the only <laughs> Daddy. I just want to say real quick that I I had a really bad day today, and I wasn't going to be on the podcast, and I, I came in late. Because I didn't want to feel like I had to force it or 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 fake it, but I'm not having to do those things. I'm and glad you're feeling better, and I'm glad you're here to hang out. Because historically, when you hang with buds, it makes you feel a lot better, no matter what's going on in your life. It does. So, it does. And I just that's to the way you are. That's not the way everybody works. But that's the way this, you tend to work. Literally, all of you live with me here right now. I wanted to. I wanted to thank you because I feel a lot better now. Um, and of course, I've been playing Zelda. Jeff, what about you? Hmm. Making sure I'm not muted so Britt can't give me shit. Uh, <laughs> She's not here. She she could be. She would be hiding. Never and, know. and come back specifically She's to talk pop shit out to in me. camera behind him. Uh, but I I deserve it usually. Um, I haven't been playing much. I actually have been watching a couple movies. Um, I caught up on some Marvel stuff. I'm not trying to be spicy. I watched the Eternals. I fucking love that movie, man. I thought that was a love, fun. Love what you love. Love what you. I love. thought that was a fun, cool movie. Like people complain that Marvel movies look ugly and like everything's just like a CGI mess. I thought like the visuals in it were really good. Um, I thought the acting was like it wasn't perfect. It was still it's a Marvel movie, whatever. It's fine. But I had a good time. Uh, and then I watched Wakanda Forever and like kind of let down, honestly. Um. Again, maybe it's like reversal expectations. I was expecting Eternals to be really bad. I was expecting Wakanda Forever to be like both Vicky was still good. I still, Wakanda forever. I, no, no, but it, it did feel like really long. Um, like 
a lot of really good stuff, but like, uh, sorry, I'm going off topic because I haven't been playing. No, much. no, no, dude, uh, talk, 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 man. And um, it's just like one of my problems with Marvel movies lately. I, oh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three in theaters a couple weeks ago. That's a great movie. Um, but that one, there's like Adam Warlock, and then in uh, Wakanda Forever, there's Riri. Uh, I can't remember her last name, but like, it's like these extra characters. I'm like, they basically have no reason to be in the movie. Like, they don't. It, they're just like a distraction. So I don't know. Um, it, it just felt like messy, and, and it's a hard. Like the first Black Panther is like hands down my favorite Marvel movie. That's just a fucking banger. Um, you know, Killmonger. Like everyone, it's been talked to death. But like, how do you top that as a villain? Like, I just wish I wish they hadn't killed Claw. Like Andy, more yeah. Andy Circus than anything is always. Yes, a good Claw thing. would have made this movie better. No <laughs> <laughs> more Andy Circus. <laughs> The fucking Ulysses Claw, the missing component. Uh, He's like, give me my, yeah. where's my mixtape? I will not take this Namor slander. I will. You know, he was, I did really like Namor, but he was Namor great. was good. Just like, I don't know, like, fine, I guess. Um, but uh, so other than that, I've, uh, I want to play Tears of the Kingdom. Also, Jeff, I'm uh, proud of you for not uh, being muted when you first thank started you. talking. Aww. Thank you, Britt. Um, she yeah, was what? fucking listening. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to play Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm broke because did you know a cat costs twelve hundred dollars to get your cat's teeth cleaned? Uh, so I just the... I just spent like seven hundred and fifty on getting uh, Athena's teeth cleaned. See, so yeah, yeah, that sounds about right because I did about twelve hundred. Jeff, here's the wild thing: I yeah. literally have a Japanese code for Breath of the Wild, and the Japanese version is in the English language, so it's yours. Uh, so that I've actually been replaying Breath of the Wild, unless you meant no, Tears no, of the no, no, no. I made Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> uh we'll see i'm I'm replaying breath of the wild right now um to, to get that zelda fix and like it's um it's good like it's i i think i talk shit about it because it's just fun and because it like eggs on everyone else on the podcast who doesn't <laughs> like it uh but i've always enjoyed like it's the only zelda so my history of zelda games is i play every second one for five hours and i'm like this is kind of cool uh i can't figure out how to solve this puzzle i give up i'm done goodbye and like Breath of the Wild was the first one I finished. I put 60 hours into it. I played it on the Wii U. It was fine on the Wii U. I'm I'm the one person who played it on that platform. You are like the only person I know well, who played it on the Wii U. I was like, I have a Wii U. Why am I going to go buy a Switch? I could just play it on my Wii U. Like there wasn't any other reason to get a Switch at the time. So, uh, but it, and it was fine. Um, but no, You're like it's wrong. it's a good game. It's a really good game. It's just, I, I think like I can appreciate some of the unique stuff, but I just never like quite loved it the way, like, it wasn't that like, you know, on that other plane for, from everything else. I'm like, it's a very good open world game. But the thing I liked about it um, is, yeah, like in old games, I would like get to a dungeon. We were just talking about like traditional Zelda dungeons and you would need like a specific item or thing either to like get there, like to cross a certain area. And sometimes it wasn't super clear where to find that thing. Like, or I got went to the wrong area first and I wasn't supposed to go there yet. I was supposed to go somewhere else. And Breath of the Wild kind of solved all that for me, and I understand it had an impact. It's the same problem Ubisoft runs into with their narrative lately, where the the approach of, like, do anything in any order and go anywhere in the world right away is really cool in how you can, like, bypass things and, and give you that freedom. But, like, inevitably, you can't have, like, that traditional linear narrative. Um, but But for me, it made the game playable because, like, I got stuck in a couple of shrines or like a dungeon and I could kind of just like cheese it and get past it. And the game feels like, I think everyone agrees it encourages you to do that. And that's what I, uh, and that stuff still holds up, but like, yeah, replaying it. I still have all the same problems. I still, it's been talked to death. I'm not like, 
the weapon durability isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I'm not going to die on that hill, but it's still not. I just don't think it's fun. Um, or at least, like, I don't like not knowing how much, uh, like, durability is left in an item. But, um, yeah, I'm having a good time with it. It's it's scratching the Zelda itch. My plan is to, like, if I can avoid FOMO, is to play Tears of the Kingdom on Switch 2 in, like, a year, a year and a half. Hopefully, with what are you open. talking about, Jeff? There's no Switch 2. Like, you're, you, you must be thinking about the Switch Pro. No, Switch Pro is dead. Switch Pro switch to. But uh yeah, yeah. something Jeff just said, can I point out that like I I I think it's very, very clever and it almost feels like Nintendo is in on the joke uh with the weapon durability thing because this go around the weapon like, durability the we is so much worse. Well, oh, no. well like all doing? the weapons are decayed. Like they're all decayed. And it's it's basically Nintendo going like, hey, <laughs> you guys wanted to complain about weapon durability? Check this shit out. There's a sword out. that oh, breaks no. in three uses. Maybe you I know? won't play this game. <laughs> well, but the, the gimmick, Jeff, is is all about like fusing things to the weapons mm -hmm. and how you combine yep. like materials and weapons into so like the the joke is like, yeah, an unfused weapon is usually gonna be something that breaks real easy, but that's encouraging you to play with that really mm -hmm. central mechanic so that you see like so the weapon is just like the foundation it's kind like, of yes right, treat right. it like okay and you could put if you have a sword you could put mm -hmm. you know like a a, a moblin like claw on it yeah. or like a you know a, a fucking keys eyeball right why would you stick an eyeball at the end of the sword i don't know it works it makes it slightly better it makes it more durable also, it does a little more damage you can you can put a stick on the end of another stick uh, you can put a sword at the end of another sword if you feel like you put a sword on the end of a stick. You can put a mine cart on your shield and use it like a skateboard. It's fucking yeah. great. <laughs> also, I just want to point out, Jeff, it is much, much, much easier to get the Master Sword in Tears of the Kingdom than it is in Breath of the Wild. In Breath of the Wild, you needed to finish 120 shrines no. to get enough hearts to... I just to... did it. I well, just got... I, I I just got the Master Sword after doing one Divine Beast. You only need, um, I think you need to do, I did 38 shrines to get the Master Sword. Maybe it was 38 or maybe it was 38 or 40 shrines. No, I'm sorry. 120 shrines are the amount of shrines in the game. Yeah. It was yeah. like, it was like 40 shrines to get mm -hmm. the, um, to get the Master Sword. In this, you just need to do like 15. That's cool. Yeah. And it, it's super, it is super fast. Let's not talk too much because I haven't walked, ran into it yet. So I don't, you know. If I yeah. play, like, if I jump into this after finishing Breath of the Wild, is it going to feel like too much deja vu? I know you said it's like... No, um, no. so, like, none of the powers come back from Breath of the Wild. So right, that right there... You have a totally different set of powers. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and because different. the weapon I'm mostly thinking, like, the world and stuff like that. world like, is is different enough, too, and the way you okay. need to approach it. So I, I, I don't think it would feel deja vu. I think it would feel okay. like a sequel. Yeah. So. Okay. Not not fucking DLC like a couple of brain rotted uh, folks have suggested. Who so. who has not who has not spoken up about what they've been playing this I think week? This is Brit. All right, so it's just Brit. So so Brit, did, did you want to go? Well, well, Brit. Yeah, before you jumped on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Brit, you wanted to go last actually because you what you've been playing ties into the ties one into, of the main topics of right. Tonight. So why yes. why don't you go ahead? Uh, first and foremost, I've still been playing Final Fantasy IV. Um, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, it's difficult, but I like that I can manage the difficulty better than I could in six. Uh, How just far are you, like... Brit? 
Um, I just became a paladin, and I'm heading back to Baron to find Sid. Um, so I don't know how long the game is, but I love you I... texted me out of nowhere. Golbez is a bitch. Did <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she really? Yeah. <laughs> just, I was at work. It was we hadn't been texting that day. I just got the text from her. Golbez is a bitch, and I was like, well, <laughs> that's <Such> a bitch. <laughs> setting other people to do his bidding. That's so. That's... Bitch, fucking like Brit. Having played like through Endwalker, like how 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 does it hit you to see all this like Final Fantasy four stuff in its original form? So that's I'm actually purposely not going mm. to play the next patch of um, Final Fantasy fourteen when it comes out. Um, I want to beat four first and then go into um, the Final Fantasy fourteen stuff, which is why I haven't been playing uh, in so long. Um, and. I think it's really fun. I think the characters are cute. Palom and Porum are my favorite so far. Um, they're just one's a little shit and one's just so sweet and just kids, man. Um, Fucking kids, dude. Um, and so I turned. <laughs> I'm so mad. So like when I was talking to y'all last week, I had just started the game and I had did the double. Um, I had like did all the exp boost and the money boost and then like i got to a certain point where i was like okay that like the game's just a little too easy i'm gonna go ahead and just put it back down to normal and i'll just have higher level up characters mistake mistake because once you turn paladin you fucking lose all those levels that you grinded on uh diesel and i was like you gotta be fucking you level up faster (laughs) so you'll make it gotta be fucking kidding me so i've kept the gold the gold on the gill on um and i'm trying to now i guess playing the game in its original form because now all my characters are the same fucking level um and it's been it's been <laughs> so you want to know what my first ever death in the game was <laughs> was it against uh was it against one of the goblins that you encounter as soon as you leave baron no 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 I defeated um, Garlemong or whatever his name is, and then I went Scarmilion. Yeah, Scarmilion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went into the the thing to become a paladin, and I lost to my Dark Knight self. That happens surprisingly often to people. I had to do that entire fucking sequence over again. I didn't know. I didn't know that you could fucking <laughs> die. I was just like, he's saying to like sheath my sword, and I was yeah, like, I'm not going to do that shit. Like yeah. he's killing me. What this am I? Voice to cannot do? be fucking trusted. Yeah. Um, Trust you know, nobody, not even death. yourself. And I almost died to um, Skirmilian the first time around, and the second time I somehow like steamed him, and I don't know. It's just weird. Like the difficulty can be weird depending on how lucky you are mm-hmm. and like what characters enemies fight, which is strange to me. That's like it's something I haven't encountered in some time. All I'm going to say, Brit, is you're in for a ride at the final boss. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> See, now you're going to make me want to turn the EXP back on. I really I'm not play how you want. I would highly recommend leaving the XP on because Rar, like, Rar was in chat and Rar was just playing this game. And it's like, Roar's like turn just, the XP back on. <laughs> if you if you don't have the boost, the spikes when you like, if you're fine with grinding, I guess it's not a big deal. But it's like the spikes will come, and uh, yeah. 
I don't know. There, For me, like, a, I, yeah. Turn the EXP back on. What, no, Britt, they actually, like, rebalance the difficulty for all the final bosses in the console releases. The final boss of Final Fantasy IV is... Stu- like, I have never died ever in my entire history of playing Final Fantasy IV, and I died three times on stream. And, like, it was... F- I was like, what the fuck is happening? So, what... Bygen is... Isn't he the blonde guy? Biden is the blonde guy. Yeah, that you meet in the castle? Yes. Yeah, I fought him. He was okay. <laughs> Do you fight it, him again? It, no, but it's just, just trust me. The, the, See, the, the, and that's why it's weird. Like, I had no problem with him. And then Rar and a couple other people in the Discord were like, he's a nightmare. And Brit, like, had no problem. It's just like, it seems like all over the place. It's wild, right? Like, yeah. it's like, I think the game is purely based on like like don't get me wrong i got close mm-hmm. to dying but i did not die um but well, it's just it's strange to me like and John's all like i do talking up the final boss and i had like no problems with the final boss mm-hmm. but strange. i had four times xp well i guess so. jeff is just a fucking pro gamer over here that's, that's what I'm, I'm just good at final fantasy man <laughs> um i do want to go back to zelda for a little bit because we talked a little bit about um how you know, we got some good insight into like how how having to do this for a guide is kind of changing, uh, you know, like the the way in which Virender is having to play this game. But I kind of want to hear a little bit more about like how playing these sorts of games and how playing big games at release can like inspire like pitches and and ideas for for like non standard coverage. Uh, but like, I don't think it's going to like inside baseball right now. Um, I don't think it's going to take that much time. I think I do want to spend a good chunk of time on it. Save that thing for last. Yeah. Are you okay? Or uh, what you're the, wanting to talk about, Brett? Are, oh, Brett, okay. Brett, Brett, I want to make sure you're okay with that. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Yee. Hell yeah. But I'm assuming you've been playing some Overwatch. I've been uh, unfortunately been... playing some Overwatch. Yeah. She's been she's been she's been doing some Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. That's more complicated. We'll talk about that in a, in a bit. But mm-hmm. yeah. All right, yeah. so did we want to do the guide writing first, Eric? Is that what you said? Well, you know, we spent, obviously, we kind of jumped around. We've talked a little about how, um, you know, I, I thought it was fascinating hearing some of how playing, like, Breath of the Wild, knowing you're doing it for a guide, being, like, you know, a, a beat that you are for sure on has changed. Like, the thought that you would have to put all your points in stamina just because it's important to get everywhere and see all the things, uh, like, Stuff I would never have to think about in that process, um, you know, but also like, you know, V and Grant, I've seen both of you with major game releases, um, you know, talk about you're playing something big, something big that's in the public eye and, you know, talking about like, hey, you know, if there's I'm I'm shooting my shot like this outlet or like any outlet like I've I've got an angle I want to cover that I'm not seeing people cover, um, you know. And what is that like as as a freelancer, right? Sometimes getting hit. What causes that inspiration to strike you? Do you think? And what is it like being stuck with that as you try to find uh, a a place where you can actually make some money off of that? It being your job. Greg can go first. I was just about to say you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I beat you to it, so you go. Shit. Um, <laughs> so, for me, I approach every big release with uh, three pillars. 
I just presented a poetry based uh, accessibility review. So I, I go to the sites that I refer that I know have done the stand coverage. I say, uh, do my review, it's going to explore uh, the options and game design to show how accessible it is for primarily physically disabled players because um, I find it difficult to review based on disabilities I don't have or don't have that lived experience because I'm not doing everything right. Um, you know, for deaf and hard of hearing, for example, uh, subtitle usage, I don't really know, like, what makes a good subtitle. So I tend to stay away from that. Uh, if that gets accepted, I then move to a developer feature, where I look to interview the developers of the game, explore how they made it, um, what was the most difficult process, um, how it's influencing uh, the industry or maybe just the studio, um, so I can teach disabled consumers what developers are doing to make their games playable. And then finally, if it's a game with like unique play styles, like um, Elden Ring, for example, yeah, I'll do a play or I'll do a, a feature on how disabled players are interacting with the game. What they're using, uh, their builds, their issues, uh, what they want to be said to developers and to the community. So I'm basically covering my perspective, the developer's perspective, and then the community's perspective. Because for so long in the gaming industry, disabled people really haven't had a voice. Um, they, they've usually been represented by a small handful of people, and this is not a slight to them, but what I've found is it's difficult to accurately convey how accessibility works and how disabled people interact if you're only listening to, you know, five or ten people. So I was trying to make sure that my features go immediately to community members and developers so they can bridge that gap and better understanding what makes the game work, what doesn't, what able-bodied people need to understand when they're interacting with disabled people on you know, social media or even in lobbies and such. Um, for me, the places I pitch to are familiar enough with these story ideas that usually if I get rejected, it's a budget issue. It's not really a, you know, we're not interested in this. Um, which years ago, that wasn't the case. I was really like, hey, do you want me to write about this? And I'm like, no. It's just not a part of the, uh, the market for us. Um, so it has shifted tremendously in the four years I've been doing this. Well, that's, uh, I, like, I feel like I've seen that kind of in real time, like with you, especially too, uh, because I remember seeing like you when you were 
more, which was around the same time, like I was starting in SDGC and having to pay more attention to, you know, the, the actual games media sphere and like people who were in it. Um, but I, I definitely feel like I've seen you going from the kind of having to do the out loud begging of like, will somebody please take this? Like, this is stuff that needs to be talked about to you've got a few outlets that, that you can kind of reliably go to, uh, for those kinds of stories. Um, and that's, that's good yeah. to see it. Cause it makes me feel like there's been some progress on that mm-hmm. front. It's very, um, like I had to be like at my, yeah, that's, is that last year or this year? I don't know. When do we pay taxes? April? April. Yeah, it's like I April. Had, I actually owed money with my taxes. And that was the first time in my freelance career I've actually had to owe money. And that was a really big, like, this is maybe a thing that's actually happening. So, I mean, it was awful. I had to pay, you know, the government money, but also I said, hey, I have to pay the government money. <laughs> A weird position to be in after so I long, can't, huh? I can't yeah. remember the last time I actually got like money back from the government. I literally can't remember. Every two weeks. Um, shut the <laughs> fuck up, Derek. Derek, uh, swap <laughs> that team. Just fuck <laughs> all as fuck off as far as you just possibly casually. can. <laughs> Imagine the longest. He's distance. not wrong. You it, could be it, mad, but he's not fucking no, wrong. No, that's fine. He 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 cannot. Be, he can be right all he wants. But I want Derek to imagine the furthest distance between where he is right now and where he could possibly be, and fuck off that entire distance. <laughs> that entire distance. I'm really uh, proud of you, Derek. That was a good one. Yeah, but um, put a pin in everything that Grant was just saying because so much of that is. <laughs> We're going to get into a little bit more detail here shortly, but before we do that, uh, I do want to turn over to to V for a little bit uh, because I've seen you, uh, I've 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 seen you doing kind of the hustle a lot, right? Where you're playing big games and you're like, I feel like I have unique insight into some aspect of this game. Uh, especially bringing unique cultural insight, right? Um, and like, can I please get somebody to put a little attention on that? Um, you know, it's it's maybe not uh, as far along on the level of progress because I do feel like even progressive media can be very blind to like, you know, Sikhs in general, right? In the population, in culture, in like, you know. But I see I see you push that angle a lot when you're trying to like, hey, this is like I I see things that your writers are not seeing. Please come to me, right? Please give me the opportunity. I'm 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 begging for it. I'm 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 hungry for it. Um, you know, and you know, I feel the same way about some things, so <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Brit. We are on one tonight, folks. <laughs> But, down, but like what? Show some decorum, Verinder. What like inspires you the most when you're playing these big games that that you are not already like on a gig for, right? Um, you're just playing something. You're going like, God, I wish I could fucking write about this. 
what usually is it? Sometimes I'm like being a game journalist in like 2023. I want to be a game journalist in like 2003, where like you just like do the easiest fucking pitches. Like you can put like put a few sentences together and like right there, game journalist. But now I have to be like, oh, how does the authoritarianism work in tandem with the gameplay in a progressive manner in a roguelike or something right and it's just very good pitches of course and the way so i'll be playing like whatever and sometimes just like on a guides aspect i'll be like oh this is how i would guide it this is how it would work then on any aspect of like race or social injustice or even accessibility or disabled activism of any kind. Um, I have lots of, I have lots of pitches like for Zelda. I have like, I have three or four race pitches that I'm just trying to figure out, but I'm having to do guides for it. And that's not an issue, but um, if it wasn't a game like Zelda, then it's like, if you don't get the coverage or pitch out, at that time, then they're going to say no, because it's not in the mass. It's not in the audience anymore for whatever reason. Like you got to strike while that iron's hot. Yeah. Like I had, okay. So I'll give two examples. Like one of the worst feelings as a writer is to get a kill fee. And a kill fee is when you submit an article and your editor will be like, it's too much work to edit, or they don't see the vision that you do, and you get you get maybe 50% of what it was. So maybe like you're gonna get paid 200 USD and you get paid a hundred USD, or even like maybe 75 USD because they didn't go live with publishing it. And it makes you feel like a horrible writer and just like a person that you took up any space whatsoever it's happened twice but like the thing is i had one for uh talking to developers of color on nfts because um every sort of like intersection and axes that hurts marginalized people will hurt people of color on the axes no matter what like even Mm -hmm. with like uh disability activism it's when people there are more disabled people of color and they're more uh people of color more likely to be disabled due to covid and health regulations and those issues so then um even though the space is sometimes like very white the and there's less disabled people of color in those spaces that are advocating for it even though those are the uh that's the population that's the most and that faces more hurdles and there are some disability activists that are white who they'll always put like a silent like white in front of their activism and you can very easily tell that so when they focus on like marginalizations in a in a game um or accessibility like reviewing for a game they'll focus mainly just like on a general audience but sometimes that general audience just becomes like not including people of color who are the most highly susceptible to be disabled and are disabled. Like we've seen with COVID statistics is a good example. Um, yeah. So back to kill fees. Um, so two pieces I had was um, I wanted to cover 
uh, Daisy Quest, which was a TTRPG role-playing thing similar to like Critical Role, if you've seen that, but having a full cast of Daisy people, and that's never been done before. So I got a kill fee for that as well because my editor was like, couldn't see the vision again. So like it makes you feel like absolute garbage. Like because you're just like, like you're pitching these pieces that are good pieces, and sometimes your editors are not going to see that because you know they're not on that marginalization. And there's too many white editors that will. Oh, be absolutely. Like, yes. Like on the. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, there's, like, I, I can only imagine how much shit gets turned down, not just from you, but other marginalized writers, because they don't see the value in it, because they're not experiencing what you're writing about. Like, it's just, it's shitty, right? Like, it's just, it's shitty. Yeah, like, a lot of, a lot of writers will think, like, oh, maybe, maybe my pitch wasn't good, or it wasn't interesting. And it's like, you have to remember like it was accepted and it wasn't followed through for various reasons my so that one was for daisy quest and daisies and dragons and i got a kill fee from polygon uh it you know like sometimes the editor just doesn't see and then you know i only had like one day until the kickstarter for daisy quest ended and i needed like i already put in too much work and i'm like i need to like get this piece published i need to salvage it i I need to do that not for myself but just for like an integral part of putting the time and effort into it so i sent it to a wired editor games wired editor who is an editor of color black editor that focuses on games and i was able to get that and i got more money a lot more money for being on Wired, but it's interesting that the two times I got kill fees were because I pitched very heavily racialized pieces that focused on people of color and creators of color in those spaces, but both editors were white, and they just didn't see the value, or like, it's interesting because like for for the Polygon one, it was like, Oh, the Kickstarter is gonna end. I can't. This needs a few. This needs another two rounds of edits, and you know, I sent it to uh, my mate at Wired and did the round of edits, and then published it on Wired. Like, so you know, it's doable. I just don't like. It was doable for them to do that. They didn't, and that's that's okay. Sometimes you know, when you're on like a very close type of thing like very very little time but getting a kill fee makes you feel like shit like it makes you feel like absolute fucking garbage like you're getting you're getting maybe 30 percent of the how much you wanted and then if it doesn't come out then you know that's just a full waste of a piece yeah i don't think people see like the the struggle and the amount of work that goes into being a freelancer in these fields, like being a freelancer in these fields in general and what the hustle has to be, um, how much work goes into it, like how little pay actually comes out per hour's work. Like this is not like something you get into because you want to live in a fucking gated community. And then like how that compounds, like, like you pointed out, like like when you're talking about 
not just issues or or pieces of interest surrounding people of color, but even like further marginalized people of color, right? Because not all things are equal, right? And I can imagine there's probably a lot of outlets who might be interested in you know, uh, and, 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 an African-American angle on something, for example, that might turn their nose up at something that talks about, you know, for example, an all Daisy, uh, you know, cast in, in tabletop, right? Because I guess maybe they're looking at math and going like, that's just such a small group of people, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're not even thinking about it that deeply. It's hard. Cause I may be white, but I'm that super naive kind of person. It's just like, I, I want to hear that kind of stuff, right? Like, I know I'm ignorant and I want to learn and I want those, those, but I am also very famously not uh, an editor of any outlet. Um, but like, yeah, I just think it's valuable, right? For especially a lot of our listeners who are mostly just enthusiasts to hear the amount of work that goes into every guide, every article, every op-ed that they read. Um, you know, that comes from a freelancer, you know, uh, and not a staff writer, uh, and, and how hard sometimes it is to get stuff about, you know, stuff about race, stuff about like the, the closer you are to being white, uh, you know, straight cis Christian or atheist, uh, able-bodied, like the, the, the less difficult it is for your outlook on things to be shared. Yep. So, well, you know. and I think like, not to um not not i don't want to ever compare myself to like you know i'll never know what it's like to be marginalized but the only way i can kind of like relate to this i guess is um i guess what i'm saying is like i'm not i'm not defending like editors who just don't get it i think that's why diversity in like your staff whatever company you work for if it's like a rating or anything else is so important because it's like it's a diversity of perspectives and the audience is there like the audience for people that will get that piece is there and it's big but you need to make sure you have the right people at the table to like see the vision, like like V said. Um, but like for me, you know, like again, the only way I can describe it is uh, um, I was fortunate enough to like not really have a lot of adversity early in my life, and um, you know, even since being on this podcast, the first few years I was here, a lot of us struggle with anxiety and depression, and I like you know, John would do the support class podcast, and I would see all the vents from people like about all the struggles, and like I could like listen to it and hear it but like i didn't get it i was like you know and not to say like you know they they're making it up or like but it's just like until you experience something whether whether that's you know like mental illness or discrimination or uh you know any kind of marginalization like until you actually live that you can never really like get it by just someone explaining it to you And, and you know i think some the important thing for editors i guess like is to kind of say like, I don't get it, but I'm going to take a chance because I believe in this. And it sounds like that's not happening, but easier way is just to like hire more people with different backgrounds, because the more that you have, you're going to have more people that are like, Oh, I get this. This is, this is good. And we need to tell this story. We need to share this, um, share this kind of view, uh, because people will like this and this will do good numbers for us on our site. Like it, it's, uh, you know, why do you want to run the same story everyone else is? Everyone wants that unique angle. They want, um, they want that topic to, that their place is kind of the the spotlight for it. Um, I, I would hope at least that that's what the journalism field wants. And yeah, um, yeah like if you have everyone who has the same background, you're not going to get that. It's it's the end result is you're all, all your sites are going to look the same as well. Yeah, I think people need to get like comfortable with the idea, especially you know, especially white 
able-bodied, straight, you know, cis, all of the the above types of folks need to get used to the idea that they're not going to see and understand everything, no matter how much they try, no matter how much they listen, no matter how much they learn, because you can't live someone else's experience. And One like, of the most important lessons I ever learned. The important thing is to learn how to how to give it over to somebody else, right? And say, okay, I, I've got this writer coming to me who wants to give me a perspective on like, you know, a, a South Asian perspective on this particular game, for example, right? And mm -hmm. like, I don't know shit about like, I, I can't even tell you the difference between various South Asian countries. Like that's not my area of expertise, but this is a, a, a writer who comes from that racial background. And I'm gonna trust that they know more about what they're talking about than I do and that their perspective is valuable on that subject, mm -hmm. right? Like there's just a point where you have to, to have to use your own limits as a reason to give it over to somebody else. Yeah. Um, but you just have to understand. Oh, Britt, I'm sorry. Mm -mm. I think it was V. No, no, go ahead. Oh, God. oh, sorry. I, I didn't realize who was trying to speak. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, like that was that was a lesson that I had to learn. Right. Like I'm a straight white guy. And, you know, the whole world, around, you know, kind of revolved around me for, you know, a large portion of my life. But once you start to, you know, I mean, I used to be I used, I used I grew up conservative for like, you know, like I used to be a I used to be a right wing guy. But over time, um you know, you just have to, you, you just have to do what I did and one branch out and embrace viewpoints other than your own. Cause you're not going to learn anything if you don't. And two, um, understand that while you may be the person in the room with the most expertise in a certain trade or skill, it doesn't mean you're the person in the room with the most expertise on a particular, uh, on, on a particular lifestyle. Um, and there's a really, really, really important distinction between the two, right? Like learning a trade and being an expert in something that you have trained to do is much different than being an expert that in, in something that just comes with being black, for example. You know, like I'll, I will never know what it's like to be unjustly uh, racially profiled by a police officer. You know, I, I, I will never know what it's like to, to be disabled and have people look at me like I'm incapable of the things that they are. Um, it's not something I'm ever, ever going to understand. And so I leave it to people like V and Grant to to educate me on those things. And when they do, when they speak up, it's my job to shut up and listen. Because if you don't shut up and listen, this just goes for everyone. Like if you spend all your time talking, you're not ever going to actually learn anything. So every now and then we all need to learn to shut our fucking mouths and listen to people who know better. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Disability is the one uh, unique thing where it can happen to anyone. Well, you know what? Grant, so let's talk about could. that, right? Grant, let's you, talk. That's a great segue. Grant, Grant, what is today? Today is a uh, disabled Christmas or a uh, global accessibility awareness day. Um, it's a day where uh, industries across the world highlight um, their accessible innovations and uh, the disabled community and how they are partnering, hopefully, with the community to create these innovations. Um, the work that they do, the research they use, many uh, companies across industries share that research publicly on this day. Um, they announce new products. Uh, they highlight varying members of the disability community. Um, 
it's mostly just a day of visibility, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. for the disability community. Um, it's something that... So, full disclosure, I... That's not like you for me, but just follow me on this. I don't do disability activism outside of games because it's so crushing. It's so much of, like, nothing you do will ever matter in the grand scheme of things because it's ultimately up to people who are far more powerful to change the issues for you to do, so I tend to not really follow that because I'm being willfully, willfully ignorant. It's just because I don't have the spoons to keep up with everything. Like uh, marriage equality, for example, disabled people still can't get married. Yeah. Uh, it is literally impossible for us to get married in the United States. And I think England, too. We can't get married over there. Um, so I just focus on video games. So most yeah. of my knowledge about today is in the video game space and sphere. But I do know that um, other industries do celebrate it, and usually tech-based industries will release new products, highlight disabled voices, um, share research, collaborate, and generally, genuinely raise awareness. Yeah. Now, you know, you, you say this, if I may take for a moment, no, John. please. I want to offer a ray of sunshine, though, right? Um, because this stuff is soul-crushing. Like, and if it's hard for me, I imagine, I, I can't imagine how hard it is for somebody who is actually disabled. Because I am somebody who is, you know, the, 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 the least functioning thing about me is the fact that I'm a slightly nearsighted. And that's not anything fucking close to the, the problems that a lot of people deal with. But at the same time, so I think that my ignorance around disability probably lasted much longer than my ignorance around a lot of other issues, right? I got tuned in on queer issues early because I was closeted, right? And then came out of the closet. Um, I, you know, had a, a lot of black and Asian friends growing up. So like I got tuned into conversations about race, right? I had Jewish friends early on. So I got tuned into conversations about like religion and culture and the sometimes messy intersection between like race and religion, right? Um, I got tuned into a lot of that stuff early, but I didn't have a lot of experience with disability and we didn't talk about it much. And it's kind of through gaming that I learned more um, about the, the like the I mean, like I knew obviously that disability existed and I wanted us like if you asked me on the street like would you want to make things more accessible for people in like a broad sense I'd be like yeah absolutely more handicapped parking spaces and that's as far as I would think about it right remove those please yes I mean yes do that but like um you know learning about a lot of this stuff through the gaming space and becoming more passionate and, and like seeking out more of this stuff um. I learned about a an often uh, strictly ableist, like almost explicitly ableist uh, practice that many employers do about hiring, uh, you know, which is the, the, the must be able to lift a 50 pound box bullshit. Right. I literally got rejected. So I graduated 
um, with a degree, my master's in public history, which is essentially museum work. Yeah. Um, because my journalism school uh, only focused on one student. I'm graduating now from four outlets, basically. Yeah. Can say whatever the hell I want now. Um, they graduated, they focused only on one student, and they didn't offer opportunities to anyone else. Yeah. So I thought, well, shit, I'm better get my master's. And then when I graduated my master's, every job, even for writer positions mm-hmm. in a museum, was you have to lift like, 25 to 50 pounds. Yeah. And when I would bring it up, they would say, we can't make that exception. Yeah. So then I had to fall back on journalism because an entire field was doing assessment for that. Yeah. So, so like that stuff that I'd seen and I'd never thought about, right? That that's just been on every job application for every job I've ever put in at. Uh, and I had to learn like, oh, that's there explicitly to keep disabled people out mm-hmm. because it's cheaper for the company to insure able-bodied employees than to pay for the, you know, the premiums on disabled employees and like not wanting to take the risk on that kind of shit. Um, Walmart just did that like seven or eight years ago. They made it so all their greeters mm-hmm. have to be able to lift 25 to 50 pounds. Yeah. And they did oh, that shit. explicitly because most greeters were disabled people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you know, I learned about that and... I, you know, some time ago, uh, got into a a higher level position at the TV station I work at where I now have some authority and some flex over hiring. And I got us to do away with, I don't want to fucking pat on the back for this because this is not like I did a great thing. This is the way things should be. And it's what I want people to learn. But we did away with the stupid box requirement and we hired uh, a young man with cerebral palsy to work in our master control room, which he's a sharp, sharp young guy, right? Personable. He had every capability of sitting at a desk and doing computer work. And he might've needed some help. You know, he might not have been able to, if an alarm went off and he had to go hit something quick, he was not going to get out of his chair quick and get to that. But he also works with a second person in the room. We always have two operators in the room. They're never alone. There's no reason why that guy needed to be the one to react quickly to that specific weird situation. He was going to be capable of doing that job. And he now has a, a, a pretty decent paying job for here in Louisville um, and, and a good workplace where he's respected because we did away with that. And we did away with that because of me. And I learned about this stuff because I saw people in gaming talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not here to say it's not soul crushing, but like Ray of Sunshine talking about this stuff matters. And as more, especially millennials and Gen Z begin to, who are a lot more online and see a lot more of this stuff, move into more of these positions where we can have an impact, we can change these practices. So something that, um, Something that Grant said at the beginning of this conversation really kind of stuck with me. It's been in my head ever since he said it, Grant. And like, I, I, I don't remember the exact words he used, but it's, and I'm paraphr- so I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially like, you know, you're not disabled until you are. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't know about me is that I, I am disabled. I'm partially disabled. I am partially deaf. Um, and I wasn't partially deaf until one day I was wounded in Iraq 19 years ago today. 
uh and which is again which is ironic right like because we're you know it's national or it's it's global accessibility awareness day and and you know i'm <laughs> i'm partially disabled and uh, you know it's something that i don't talk about much um but my hear my hearing is shit like my hearing is pure garbage uh and after i was wounded the uh the navy surgeon who checked me out said the only reason that you are not on a helicopter on your way to germany right now is because your ears are dirty because you know you've been out here for months now and we haven't been able to wash um he said had your ears had your ears been cleaned you'd be completely deaf uh and as it was he said as it is he said you can expect to be deaf by the time you're you're you know he said before 40 probably he says but your hearing's just going to get worse and worse it's going to continue to to deteriorate and he was like there's there's really nothing that can be done about this save of like major major surgery that i couldn't afford uh and then and that the marine corps wasn't going to pay for um so it, like 10 years later uh you know in 2010 or yeah 2014 i'm sorry I went to the doctor and he was like, man, you got a lot of scar tissue in your ear. And I was like, yeah. And I told him what happened. He said, he said, this is going to get, he said, you're going to be deaf soon. Um, sounds like there's a dog in the one ear upstairs. <laughs> um, do you get, you hear that? No, I hear nothing. Sounds you like got one really in... good ear and one really bad ear, my dude. No, I mean, I've got one, <laughs> I've got one bad, I've got one ear I can't hear anything out of. Yeah. Like one day, and one day, like a year or two ago, I just noticed nothing. I was like, nothing there's nothing there anymore and it's funny and so because like now... i've got i've got a good buddy who is similarly almost entirely deaf in one ear and it's because he has a just a congenital birth defect with that ear he was born that way but like yeah it, it's exactly like grant said like you you are both similar disabled in almost the exact same way uh and in one case it's birth and in one case it's it's you know an accident that happened but hey guys, I, I, I gotta go. Something's going on upstairs. I gotta go. Okay, go okay. check on that. But like, also to a point that you you famously regularly bring up, which I think more people need to hear, Grant, that like not all disabilities are equal. They're not all the same. They're not even all the same yeah. sport. Is yeah. like my buddy who who is deaf in one ear, uh, who also works at the TV station, never had to deal with. He was never threatened by the fifty pound box. You know, um, like. Yeah. You know, so when we talk about accessibility in gaming, we talk about like how cool, you know, PlayStation's new access controller is and things like that. We talk about accessibility options in games. You know, I think one of the big things to, to beat into people's heads is that there's so many ways that that people can deal with disability and like not just different like categories for, for lack of a better term, but like some people's blindness is going to be worse than others. Right. Some people's there's multiple different ways to be colorblind that can affect mm -hmm. certain games worse than others. You know, um, <coughs> when I first started in fucking 2019, <laughs> when I first started in 2019, I cannot play that, which uh, is a site exclusively for accessibility uh, in gaming. It was really difficult. There were five of us at six. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting one of you. Let's just say six. There were six of us who um, were trying to cover basically all of the disability community. Because 
Disabled people started being like, oh my god, there's a site for us. And then we had to make sure we were properly representing them. What we found is the individualistic nature of being disabled is one of the main things that was hurting the games industry and still kind of is because you can't just have the same five to ten people represent people. Um, and it's also different. Yeah, because every experience is different. Um, which is why, like, with my features, I try and do, like, the two pillars, like, dev and disabled community. And I always made sure to never interview the same disabled person more than twice, because it's just not fair yeah. to continuously highlight the same people. Um, there are even people... Grant, real quick, I just want to say bye. We have a guest upstairs, and the dogs are going fucking crazy, and... I've got to go help Vicky because there's three dogs and two of them. And it's a lot. I just want to say, I love you. I love everyone here. Grant, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just don't, I didn't want to just okay. leave in the middle dip, of what dip, you're talking yeah. about. Cause it's important. I didn't want to disrespect you. Okay. So bye guys. Love you all. Later. We'll see you next week. Uh, bye. Um, yeah, I like the individualistic people. nature of, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's, it's really, that's been the most, Damaging thing that I've had to actively push against by doing this for four years um, is the same people are being represented. They can't speak for everyone. Um, like Verinder said earlier, it's usually a very white audience. Um, a lot of my features, and not to do like with Derek and pat myself on the back, but I wrote a wired feature. Where the pitch was highlighting disabled streamers of color because there's so many of them, yeah. and that one feature was great for Wired. But like we just see that the same ideas being regurgitated because the industry won't listen to other people. Yeah, like there's currently a big debate, like options are the only thing accessibility needs, and that's so demonstrably not true that people don't realize how important game design is with accessibility you can have a game that has very little options because the game itself is already so accessible so when you see like your xbox has like their feature tags on their store page which you can view if you don't see like subtitles you may be like, well, this game is definitely very unfriendly, but the game may just not have any spoken word. And you can't really articulate that with stuff like features hides, or just yeah. only talking about options. So it's one of the things that, like, we need more people to just continuously reinforce the narrative that not all disabilities are the same, not all disabilities are treated with the same level of respect, like invisible disabilities, usually with mental health, mm-hmm. people don't respect them as much. Uh, a lot of disabled people don't even recognize them as disabilities. There's a lot of like, infighting in the community with that. Um, and we need to just keep bringing on new voices 
yeah. just keep bringing new perspectives because that's how you're going to advance, not the just same. Again, no disrespect to these people, but not just the same five or ten right. voices that the industry has used in the past ten to fifteen years. People who are doing good work for their yes. perspectives, but there's so many perspectives. Yes. You know, and it's just important, I think, too, for a lot of our, you know, our, our able-bodied listeners, right, to, like, understand that they need to seek out broad, like, opinions on, on, on all the different ways that, that people are affected by this. Because, like, we, we, talk, we, we briefly mentioned the Access Controller, right? And we talk about the original, like, Xbox Adaptive Controller. Those are great options for people with physical disabilities, but at the well, same time, really everyone else. yeah, like, but also like, how is that going to help you with a game like Devil May Cry 5, right? Which is inherently just a very unfriendly game to, you know, people with any kind of like motor or executive disability, you know, compared to God, we talked about like card games early on, uh, uh, giving me all the time to just watch a movie and also do that on the side. That's inherently, it feels like a much more accessible format for a lot of games because reaction time is not a part of it. You know, um, even if you, you deal with certain executive dysfunction, having the time to make your choices, you know, gives you that flexibility. Um, but at the same time, how much would that help with, I've got a friend who has, uh, I don't know the name of it, but he, he can't read numbers. Basically they just become jumbles. Uh, you can read fine, just not numbers. Um, so like a turn-based RPG is still not accessible to him if he can't look at numbers and get, you know, feedback from, you know, mm -hmm. those numbers he's reading. And like, I don't necessarily know, Discalcula, th thank you, uh, Rornado in chat. Um, and I don't have solutions for, and I think the, the scary thing, you know, tell me if this is too cynical is like, you know, we may never hit a point where like all games are perfectly accessible to all people. You, you never will ever. You, yeah. that, that, I think the big thing is that you can't make people give a shit about other people. Right. And that goes yeah. across like, you know, that's just the whole conversation as a whole. You know, V was like, you know, people don't see the value in my writing, you know, and that that's that's an editor thing. You know, there people try to you know, just give different perspectives. But if you don't care, nothing's ever going to change, which is why it's so important to put, you know, people of color, people who are minorities, people who have disabilities in these positions, because nothing's going to change if the same people, if the same brand is going to keep, you know, spinning that wheel. Um, and like, I know, like, I know we have to cut off pretty soon, but I just like kind of wanted to give my input on like... Yeah. You know, my ears, I've slowly gone deaf over the last three years. I've had a lot of um, ear surgeries. Like John, one of my ears had scar tissue that was so bad, it was just completely covering up my eardrum. Um, and now I'm partially deaf. And I, I say this for two reasons. I've been applying for jobs, and a lot of the jobs ask you if you have a disability. And that disability is, you know physical mental like mental health hardness of hearing hardness of seeing like all of that and i felt really uncomfortable answering that um i don't think they're supposed to be allowed to ask that right like, they, well they do because but they do anyway because you're not gonna fight do. it 
Yeah. yeah. The, the, the ABA is such a flimsy, like, base of law. They can't enforce anything, you know. No, no. The ABA is like, it doesn't do shit. It yeah. really doesn't do shit. No, yeah. and then, like, if anything, I felt like it was harming me more than helping me. Um, you know, because not only am I partially deaf, I also had, like, you know, I have anxiety and depression. And it's like, there's the whole list. It's just like a blank statement. If you're not, if you just see somebody hits yes and you just automatically assume it's the worst, like somebody's depressed and they can't work or whatever, like, it's just, it's so frustrating. And every time I got to that point on an application, like, I wanted to lie, but. I didn't. Um, and, you know, I was filling in uh, all last week at my old job. Um, the front desk girl had to she went on vacation for Mother's Day to go see her daughter. Um, and I was working the front desk. And when I was so I worked in that office like five years ago, uh, my mother-in-law works in the office. So it was just, you know, it, it was easy for me. To, it's easy for me to come in and out whenever they need somebody and I'm not working. So, um you know, I was like, I could do that job just fine before, um, you know, five years ago, no big deal. But I really struggled this time. And I remember specifically messaging Zach and being like, I'm so frustrated because I can't hear anybody. Like, I had to turn the phone up. Like, people are talking to me and I, I couldn't understand them. And even on the phone, even when I turned it up, if the quality isn't good, I couldn't understand what they were saying. And then people were getting mad at me and yelling at me because, you know, I'm like, what? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Um, and it's just it's it's a frustrating thing that I don't think, you know, like like you said, Derek, you don't think about it if you're not in that position. Um, and I never really took for granted my hearing. Uh, until like I, I will never put myself in a front desk job. I will never apply for that again because just that week I did it. It was so frustrating and just defeating to feel like there's something wrong with you and, you know, you're an issue. And, you know, that's just my deafness. I can't imagine how somebody who has, you know, a more severe disability could, you know, feel in, in any kind of situation. And then on top of that, for you guys both being writers, um, you know, one of you being a person of color, one of you having accessibility issues, it's no, who's going to listen to you if nobody wants to listen or understand, you know, it's like, and people don't understand until they've experienced it or they just, you know, something close happens to home or, you know, just shit like that. Like basically everything Derek said. And it's just like. It's shitty because, you know, like we talk about wanting it to change, but we can't force other people to give a shit about other people. And, you know, it. some of that isn't their fault. Some of that is just they don't know any better. Um, but I think we as human beings could do better. Absolutely. Even if we we can sympathize a lot better than we do. And it's just shitty. We owe, we owe it to each other to be loud and to listen. Yeah, you know, exactly. I do want to say when, um, in regards to, cause I know a lot of people hesitate in regards to pitching or, um, trying to advocate for themselves. And it's good to know that there are many people that will advocate for you, uh, in regards to like pitching or writing in that sense. But when you're talking to an editor, you, that's the only time you have to hard advocate for yourself. Exactly. And, and sometimes when you're, Sometimes when I'm trying to pitch something about race to a white editor, which is a lot, 
So if I if I try to make the pitch more palatable, it'll just destroy the pitch. Right. It which sucks because you shouldn't yeah. have to do that shit. Like no. you you shouldn't have to. And like I feel like that's why connections in this industry are so important. Um and you know why it's easier to feel like you get things done is because you can connect with people and you can um get them to see your perspective to talk to somebody else you know and it's like that's the best like we can do as like white people is to you know white able-bodied people is to advocate for minorities and people who are disabled and like we could do a fucking better job at it a lot of people could do a better job at it and it's like People need to care more. Listen and take your talking points from the people who actually deal with this shit right. on a daily like we, basis. You shouldn't have to have somebody in the industry that should that can get you into the next stage just because you know somebody, you know, like yeah. your writing should be enough. You should be enough. And it's shitty that it doesn't work out that way. We'll keep being loud. It's all we can do. Right. One hundred percent. It's 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 it can be soul crushing to use grant's phrase but like yeah, the alternative absolutely. is we, get, we give up at it and that's just not an option mm-hmm. so you know even even writing the stuff like there was when i was interviewing i don't want to say who it was but i was interviewing somebody right. and they did a ttrpg play and they had they were they were like the only brown person in a group of like white folk and they had like a seek npc in their game right Oh. And they, what the group did is they, this NPC was just there, a Seek NPC was just there to like give a quest and that sort of thing. And like they killed this dude and then they took his holy sword and like stabbed him with it and like looted him. They just like this nice Seek NPC and like this brown player was like, like, that's so triggering. And, like, when I'm interviewing, I got fucking triggered from that. Because I'm just like, how do you, like, how do you go on from that? And you're mm. you're supposed to be doing this as an article. And you're supposed to be doing this as, like, like, I'm not going to publish that, of course. But, like, and even, yeah. like, the dungeon master was, like, goading the group on to do that. And it's, like. You got to think about this shit. You got to think yeah. about, like. That is. Yeah. That is and, beyond and, tone deaf. God damn. Yeah, and then yeah. The, and then the player was like, it took me years to even want to play as a brown character of myself because like that's such a fucking triggering experience to have like seven other people you're playing with like killing this one Sikh NPC who was just like kind and considerate and giving a quest and just being murdered like just it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and like when I had to like listen to that again and do the do the transcription and like i couldn't i couldn't sleep because of that because it's just like how do you like first it's already hard to like advocate and pitch a piece but then when you're like following through on these pieces no matter like what sort of marginalization you have to hear the most like horrific stories that'll just trigger you and then you have to still like get this piece out and like okay and it's just like there's a lot that goes in and i know somebody brought up in the chat about like being uh like guides writing isn't paid much and like a lot of people need to also understand like if you're playing a game for work those that those are those are work hours you you play you, you play zelda for 15 20 hours 
those are all work hours. You're not playing as like an enjoy. Like there's a very different headspace. But like I I got very triggered from that, and I feel like that definitely worsened the piece a bit. Uh, before Wired brought it, but it's such a like even when we're talking about these issues, it's it's just the most triggering experience. Yeah, yeah. I feel like like a sad truth of a lot of this is we talk about how necessary the work is, but like the part that that we don't say out loud is that like burnout is built into activism. That like Very easily. the the progress will yeah. not happen without you know, marginalized folks being willing to throw themselves at the problem until they just can't anymore and have to hand the problem off to the next younger group of people in the same, you know, group to, to fucking keep that fight going. And like, granted that's how we've come as far as we have, but fuck, we have a whole lot, whole lot farther to go. And that can be really disheartening. Um, but you know, we make it easier, right. By not contributing to that. Right. If I'm I'm on the outside of many of these groups, right, as somebody who's able bodied, as somebody who's white, like I may be queer, but like, guess what? Being a white queer, you sometimes still have the ability, frequently still have the ability to add to others woes. So learn and don't add to it. Make the job easier. Help us get further on the fight in this generation by by don't advocating for right and don't never get comfortable. Yeah. It's good to be uncomfortable. Yes. Like you white mean. yeah, like white fragility, like that's a thing you yourself have to deal with. Had to not... discard a lot of white fragility. And guess what? I still yep. sometimes read stuff that makes me bristle. Yep. And the the yeah. single best thing I can do is go, this is either not about me, right? Yeah. It's not about me personally. Or I go this is somebody's truth and I need to listen and hear this so that we can stop this. Right. I need right? to learn from what I'm being told. That's making yeah. me, you know, question things about myself or maybe giving me like, like you said, the wrong emotional response yeah. that I should well, be having towards something like that. If, if you're somebody who takes like a very like simplistic approach to accessibility and somebody has to tell you like, Hey man, it's more complicated than that. Like right. that's a, that's a phase I went through subtitles. And that's you a know. phase I went through with somebody being like, man, it's a lot more complicated than these, these boilerplate things you're thinking of and like, like wanting to push back against that. But it's like, no, I don't know this shit. They do. Yep. The tears of the kingdom right now is like, I won't say triggering because it feels trivial, but every time a FromSoft game comes up, disabled people are at the end of countless like harassment than yeah. from stuff fans. Um, so right now with Tears of the Kingdom, um, disabled people are like you need to go live over if Nintendo sucks. And one of the main reasons is because disabled people still only think options are the only accessible use. Yeah. If you don't have options, your game is shit. And because Nintendo games traditionally don't have options, but they have fantastic game design because they're made for everyone. Um, disabled people can play a lot of Nintendo games, but usually the first thing a lot of them see is oh, options, and then it's just. But there was, um, I don't want to call out the specific thing. If you, if you saw it, you saw it, right? It was describing a trust in Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It was very much that this trust is inaccessible to deaf and hard of hearing people. And 
disabled image for your your shit. So, my mom, friend who is deaf, went for the crest, and it's literally impossible to fail the crest. The game tells you where you go. You can't leave the area because it brings you back. And every time you get closer, like a captioned message comes up. Like indicating you were getting closer. But because the person didn't understand game design, it set off a massive firestorm that disabled people are still arguing about right now. I did see you say on, on Twitter talking about like, if I have to hear one more person say Nintendo is the least accessible company, I will become the Joker. Basically <laughs> like it's so much more complicated than that. It's, it's my biggest frustration with this industry is looking at games like the last of us, right? Mm-hmm. And be like, it's the most accessible game ever. I still have never played the last of us part two because they can't use a PlayStation controller. You get all the options you want. I still can't play your damn game. It's, and you yeah. don't, like, so I, I didn't even think about shit like that, right? Like, you could have all the accessibility options in the game, but if they don't give you the option to mm-hmm. play with something else, like, uh, with a controller that doesn't work for you, like, what does it matter to you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, and the access controller is great, but you know what would also help is if Sony allowed the use of, of more... Uh, third-party peripherals that could connect to the PS4 that can't to the PS5, and they don't because they have a controller to sell you, right? That's it's, rainbow capitalism, basically. It's, yeah, it's literally it's there's so much nuance to global accessibility rainbow state because again, like you just have one champ is like options are the only answer, but then you have stuff like Last of Us, which has almost seventy-five plus. A lot of people still can't play. Yeah. And then you can't go, like, people sit and play it, but then, because there are people be like, but options. And then they're drawing your voice out. Yeah. But stuff at Elden Ring. For many disabled people, Elden Ring was the first FromSoft game that they could platinum because of its design principles. <laughs> but again, because FromSoft is like, accessibility to Satan. Right? Yeah. Everyone just jumped on the bandwagon. Everyone just jumped on the bandwagon and said, don't play this damn book on it. There's no options. It sucks. But, like, you can't, you can't have that mindset. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's a constant battle with, like, your own community and the industry. And a lot of, I think, well-meaning people who have learned a little bit, who have decided to, to step to the forefront and be you know, that's hard, right? Because like, we do want you to learn. We do want you to be loud, but at the same time, like a lot of the woes you're talking about are caused by people who do not actually, who are not disabled, who are Mm -hmm. listening to this sort of coverage and, and learning 60% of it and, and, and going, that's enough for Dunning Kruger to kick in and me to think I know everything and speaking over disabled people. Every time there's a FromSoft game, there's at least 10 other publications that release three does this game get easy mode and it just adds so much harassment yeah to the same people because like that's not the solution that people think to this yeah and then disabled people get angry because they're those who are like yeah i think so and you have the friends off hands or attack them you have other people who are like it doesn't get easy mode 
not to be an ass, but because it just won't work, and then they get attacked, it's just a constant, like, pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. The... Because we we are we, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to attempt to wrap a, a bow on this here, um, but I didn't want to cut us off too early because it was like no we are on like a really important role, but right the thing, that, I the felt thing, the same way I was like we're going over ask, but it's important yeah the thing I would ask from our audience right those of you who are you know because all this is intersectional right but those of you who are in one way or another you're you're straight you're you're able bodied you're you're cis you're white. You know, you are Christian or atheist, which are like the two religious identities you can have in this country that don't cause a lot of problems for you. Um, you know, any of these various things um, like listen, never stop listening. Right. Be loud, but always be looking at people from those affected communities to see when you're overstepping. Always be ready to be checked. Never take it personal. Right. This is a fight that we've got to have. Right. And that fight can be, you know, using the platform you have to talk about this stuff. It can be, you know, trying to make changes at your workplace. It can be talking to family members when they, you know, say or do uncomfortable shit. Right. Like there's so many ways, little ways often that you can make a little bit of an impact and it will be all of us making those little decisions, trying our best that will move this needle forward, um, you know, even just a little bit. But even if it just moves a little bit, that's monumental. You know, that makes such an improvement to so many people's lives. So, um, you know, big meaty episode today, but like a reminder, this is why we do this. Mm -hmm. This is why every one of us should be paying attention and listening because we're never done learning. And we should do it on days that aren't just accessibility days or disability Christmas as Grant called it. Like we should we should be doing this shit all the time. We should always be celebrating that people of color and yeah. disabled people of color. 100%. Like don't just do it for a month. Yeah. yeah. Just every day. Celebrate accessibility people of color. Yeah. I'm really excited people. to hit Pride the the one month of the year when people yeah. will, will thank me for the bravery of of liking penis sometimes. Like, you know, it's it's like, god damn it, folks. It's it's a little it's bit a more complicated than that. Somebody <laughs> Somebody's to gonna it. do it. I'll send you a medal. Just your address. Right. I'll 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 put it in chat. Um, but Grant and Verinder, thank you both so much for joining us tonight. Um, this has been a, a, a big one. This has been a very fulfilling episode I feel like of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've, I've needed, I've needed one of these. So, you know, and it's always just, you're just both charming and fun people. And it's always great to have you on. And the invitations pretty much open to both of you, right? Like ask to come on, ask to come on just because there's a new Pokemon expansion and you want to rant about it. Right? Like, yeah, I don't do that. I will ruin your show. Don't <laughs> yes. ever invite me on the boat, man. I'll probably ask again in a month because I'll still be doing Zelda work. But it'll be- <laughs> we can get a part no, no, two. You're out in a month because fucking Final Fantasy 16 will be oh, out. And that's all right. we'll be on. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Right to the party, yeah. Ripped yeah. all guests. You'll be like, I want to talk about Zelda. And we'll be I'm like, only mm, going to ask Yoshi P. Like- Give us a month. Give us. If a I month get to, to meet Yoshi P, I'm only right. gonna ask him about that Bomberman game he worked on. <laughs> I'm not here for Final Fantasy 16. Oh my god! But 
Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank um, you so much, you guys. Yeah. Uh, where where can people follow both of you? Uh, starting with Virender, I guess. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at button underscore ball. And if you have blue sky, I'm there. Oh, yeah. As well. I don't have that uh, yet. I signed up, but I don't have it We'll yet. get you there. It's good. I mean, Derek and John are there from this group. I don't know. It's hard when there's not a critical mass of people and as many shit posts to, to share, but still. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty barren. Like the way posts are like it'll be like 10 minutes ago. Five minutes ago will be the next post. Give so it it's time. Like, we just need more people. Yeah. Yeah. Need yeah, more so need more monkeys on typewriters to get that, that <laughs> the content going. Pretty much. Hamster wheels. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, you can find me there and um you can find me at major publications, IGN, uh GameSpot, Wired, yeah. Eurogamer, everywhere, wherever. Mostly yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> you can see me have more selfies of my uh bow tie matching. Yeah. <laughs> Love those. <laughs> Grant, what do you got to plug, bud? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at super underscore crip 1994. Um, until Elon bans that word, I'm fine, but you know, may have to change my name soon. Um, yeah. I'm not on Blue Sky because I don't like change. Yeah. So I was <laughs> on this ship until, until it, it burns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Let's fucking burn it, baby. <laughs> I don't shit post until the day the servers die. Um, you can read my work. 95% of it is about accessibility at like uh, Wired. I have a monthly column at IGN where I talk about all accessibility. Uh, Inverse, I do a lot of reviews for them. Um... Yeah, it's primarily. Yeah. Perfect. That's what we got. Folks, thank all of you listeners for joining us on this extra long episode. I uh, hope you learned something. I hope you learned that you need to keep learning because you're never yeah, done. I was gonna learning. say I hope you like learn that you can need yeah. to continue learning. You don't get to turn this episode off and be done, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't your good deed. You're like, I oh, listened no. to a podcast about oh, accessibility. No. Yeah. <laughs> we normally <laughs> say <laughs> we normally say kindness costs nothing, but you know what? Kindness costs a little bit of effort. Do some learning, read your right. book. That that's our new tagline. Kindness yeah. costs a little bit of effort. Go learn. Yeah, read your your fucking footnotes. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking gamers, do something. Night nerds. (laughs) Good night.